Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. All right. Deep breath. Cleansing breath. Dear younger me, every mountain, every valley, through each heartache you will see, every moment brings you closer to who you were meant to be. Dear younger me, you are holy, you are righteous, you are one of the redeemed, set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed, dear younger me. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are always yours. From God the Father, through his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue our sermon series, Dear Younger Me, today we look at Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Get ready for a bit meatier drill down. This is intense stuff that Paul brings our way. I'm going to have you share the text with me by reading the verses in yellow font. Yellow font. Paul writes, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, self-reflection has its perils. That long look into the mirror of our souls. What do we see 
when we look into that mirror? What do you see when you look into the mirror of your soul? The distant past? Or the very real present current state of affairs? Self-reflection. It can be a very lonely place. In the Middle Ages, the occupation of a monk could be one of the loneliest occupations on the planet. There were some who looked upon monks as spiritual superheroes who had taken vows of poverty and of chastity and sometimes vows of total silence in order to to focus in on their battle of sin inside themselves. Some monks literally crawled into caves in the desert to leave behind the sinful world. Some of them crawled into man-made caves known as monasteries with high stone walls in solitary places with very few windows and virtually no contact with the outside world or with each other in an effort to focus in on the battle of sin inside of me. Solitary confinement, self-reflection, the battle within me. Martin Luther had been one of those monks. And so he could speak credibly and write credibly when he said, you know, when those monks crawled into those caves, whichever one, he said all that did was ignite a greater battle inside of them because, you know, the devil crawled into the cave right after them. And then they brought with them their sinful nature, that pull towards sin that all of us inherited from mom and dad. Luther said that, that sinful nature just piggybacked along right inside with them. And the struggle continued, the battle within me. And their lives became a lifelong process of self-reflection. I cannot master sin. I cannot crush the guilt. I cannot get rid of the regrets. In solitary places of self-reflection, If we go there by ourselves, sin still reigns, and we will end up in despair. Now in our reading for today, the Apostle Paul gave words to that conflict that we read together, that conflict against the sin inside of us all. And it was pretty intense to read, and it's intense as we dig in. But rest assured that Paul lands the plane pretty well. Dear younger me, you are not alone. There is a reality to me and a reality to you that the Apostle Paul brought to light in verse 21. This unchangeable rule or truth or fact about ourselves that is true of every Christian this side of heaven. Paul put it this way. I find this law at work in me. 
Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You and I know that truth, don't we? Maybe you walk into work on Monday morning and, and a coworker walks in the room after you, hasn't looked at you, said anything to you, and the first thought in your head about that coworker is negative, maybe even spiteful or hateful. Maybe you meet someone on the street who has a different skin color or ethnic background than you, and instantly you are shocked by your own prejudice and the thought that comes in your, into your mind, and you know nothing about them. You go, wow, where did that come from? Isn't it helpful that the Apostle Paul tells us, or that Jesus tells us, to love our neighbor as we like to be loved? Our neighbor, remember, is the entire planet. Our neighbor is the entire planet. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. In the culture in which you and I are living, we don't like it if somebody automatically judges us just looking at us. Especially if they want to judge us by the color of our skin. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says. Now here's the most troubling part. Do you remember Newton's first law of motion, the law of inertia? Raise your hand if you can remember that far back. Some of you are so young. Yeah, that's like 40 years ago, and there's been a lot of Greek and Hebrew and stuff like that since I love this stuff. But the first law of motion, or inertia, right? And it, it began, an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted by an out, upon by an outward force, right? Okay? Which is why when you're cruising along on the road, it's a really great idea, even for us older folks who didn't really grow up with seatbelts, to have a seatbelt on, because when the... When, you, when the car has to brake fast and you lunge forward, the seatbelt stops you because of the law, the first law of motion, of inertia, right? Similar is the first law of the human condition. The Apostle Paul teaches that from the moment of conception, when we began our journey, you and I have something called a sinful nature. This pull towards sin that has been with us since we inherited it from our parents, from the moment of conception, what is true of us is that we are sinful. Even as we believe, we are sinful. Paul said it this way, the good I want to do, this is the Apostle Paul, by the way, who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus as he was called the faith, right? Paul says, the good I want to do, I do not do. Who will rescue me from this body of death? The spiritual law of inertia. We are who we are, inherited from our parents. But in that moment of self-reflection with the Apostle Paul, Paul determined that it was good for, uh, for him to remind us of something. That the problem is me. The problem is you, and not the law of God, his Ten Commandments. Now let's be honest, there were times in the days of younger me when we honestly thought we knew better than God, right? You know, I just can't believe that, that that's wrong, it, that, that can't be right. I think this should be okay, and in fact, 
I think I'm going to do it because in spite of what the Bible says, I just think it's wrong. Dear friends, isn't cockiness in the face of our God in our younger days the reason why we're having this sermon series? Dear younger me. Right? Dear younger me. Haven't we all had to learn the hard way? I mean, look at the commandments. First three on the left, and now your eyes may, hopefully you can read that. Uh, the, the, the last seven on the right, right? Is there any commandment on the screen that you just trusted God and went with it? Or are you like me and every single one you had to learn the hard way? Right? Dear younger me, the regrets of our youth. Paul put it this way. Oh, and by the way, we learned the hard way that God is always right and that our sin always hurts others first, but eventually us as well. Paul put it this way. We know that the law is spiritual. That means the law comes from God who is love and who is spirit and who speaks to our spirits. Paul says we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. God needed to tell us these things, even the condemnation part. Friends, what is God's purpose behind his law? Is God's primary goal to keep us from sinning and then to condemn us when we do? No. Hardly. God's goal behind his law is to teach us how to love others ahead of self. Imagine if all of us and all the world truly loved each other, doing what is right, thinking what is right, before God and to each other. This place, this world would be so blessed and we would be nothing of but a blessing for our fellow human beings. So as I ask myself, I now ask you, how well are you doing loving others? But beware the perils of self-reflection. Remembering our sin, if we go down that rabbit hole, alone. Remember the sermon from two weeks ago. Judas pondered the perils of his sin, his betrayal of Jesus, but he did it alone. And he ended up taking his own life. Peter. Peter pondered his sin of, of denying his Lord. But in the moment of truth, when the rooster crowed, Peter remembered Jesus' words and he trusted his Savior's promise that he would forgive. You see, there is this absolute truth about us, like the law of inertia, that as long as you and I walk this earth, saint and sinner, we will have with us the desire to sin as long as we walk the earth. But there's a greater truth that is the heart of Scripture, and that is the key to healthy 
self-pondering, self-reflection. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Beautiful words from Galatians 2. I, this is the sinful side of Paul, the sinful nature. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dear friends, as surely as sin lives in us, more certainly does Jesus live in our hearts by faith. And Jesus, as the ruler of our hearts by faith, leading and forget with forgiveness, will always trump the sin that is still in our heart. And in the end, in every time, Jesus will, lay, will live. And Jesus will remind us and enable us to say, I am a forgiven child of God. Thus saith the Lord. Say that with me. I am a forgiven child of God. Thus saith the Lord. That's the ruler of our hearts. Take him with you when you go down the rabbit hole of self-reflection and pondering what you've done. What a comfort, though, isn't it? To know that God saw the reality of our youth when we were saint and sinner, and he forgives, right? Life is good, dear younger me, we can say, and that's good. But there's more to the story. And the Apostle Paul addresses it in our text using present tense verbs, which if it's been a long time since we thought about Newton's first law of motion, present tense verbs are verbs that speak about the now, right? Paul says this, in my inner being, and now he's talking about the believer. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. Give me your commandments, Lord. I want to keep them. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, what I want to do, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. Present tense. What has been harder as you have been sitting through this series on regret, dear younger me? Knowing that God knows your past or knowing that God sees the present you, the divided me, a part that still loves to sin, though a part trusts in him. You know, God knows our sinful thoughts before we think them. God knows how self-centered our hearts are, better than our spouse, better than a best friend, better than you and I even. There's a healthy saying, a wise saying in this life, know your enemy. God knows us and the rebellious side of our hearts. 
But does that mean that we are God's enemies? And that God is our enemy? The Bible says no. The Bible says that God is love, and God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is love, and so loved the world. And so God sent his Son without sin. Right? God sent his Son without sin living in him to be the difference maker. Now ponder that theology. That Christmas truth. That Christmas truth that is the game changer. The Son without sin. Similar to, there was a day a hundred and so years ago when alternating current of electricity replaced a direct current, game changer for the world, Google it, and all of a sudden the whole world has electricity, almost. So Jesus is the game changer. There was a day when by chance, I think a guy named Goodyear or Firestone, who remembers history? Goodyear, right, was the guy who, who vulcanized rubber and changed the modern world as we know it. So Jesus is the game changer. You see, Jesus is so different from us. No sin. Yet, he is one of us. A man without sin because of Christmas. Born of the Virgin Mary, with God as his father, the game changer. And put, Paul put that into practical words to the Corinthians. When he said, God made him who had no sin in him and never committed sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become right with God or forgiven. We picture it this way, that Jesus, God's son without sin, was the game changer for you and me. As he owned our cross, our punishment for sin, he owned it himself. And died on that cross to return to us his holiness, which for us comes through the forgiveness of sins. The perfect sacrifice. The man without sin. The man without sin living in him. So a brother by blood is Jesus. A child of Adam and of Eve just like you and me. A brother by blood, his blood shed on the cross to wash us clean from our sins, to cleanse us through his blood shed. The sins of my past, dear younger me, the sin of the present, dear older me. And he is given to you and to me and to all who believe a new heart, a new life. A heart that sings, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who we are. That is our identity. 
But what about the sin and the sinfulness of today and our struggle? Paul says, what a wretched person I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The beauty of self-reflection for the Christian. Whether in the dark of night when we're lying awake, we cannot sleep and, and our life is flashing through our, our, our mind. Or whether it's on that hospital bed someday when we're unsure of our future and the past and the present are, are reeling before our, our minds. Or after a full-blown argument with a, a loved one, a spouse, a friend. There is beauty for the Christian who self-reflects because guess what? We don't go there alone. Jesus is with us. Jesus is in us. And he reminds us that we are forgiven of all the sins that our Father knows. And then he guides us since he has freed us from our sin. Freed us from our sin to be different than the world. To be different than our heritage. That sinful nature from mom and dad. And instead to grab hold of the new heritage. The new inheritance of the family of God forever. Like little Olivia who's now one of us. Has been since January 17th. Today was a public recognition. Right? How cool is that? And so as we self-reflect, we say, Dear younger me, you are not alone. Jesus walks with you to love you, to forgive you, to care for you, and to inspire you to trust his Father in heaven and to live his love. And then, in all honesty, we say, well, the sermon series could have been, Dear Older Me, I am not alone. Dear Lord Jesus, own my heart by the forgiveness of my sins. Dear Lord Jesus, inspire my heart by your love. I have been crucified, say it with me, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus, the one who rescued you and me, he's here. He ain't leaving. Bask in his forgiveness. Bask in his love. Amen. We pray. Great God and Lord, we thank you that in the darkness of this world, you walk with us, you live in us, you speak to us, and you love us. There is no place in the darkness where you do not reign. There is no place in the darkness we cannot go with you and bringing your truth and your love to a hurting world. But we do that, Lord, because you have demonstrated to us 
that in the dark corners of our life, you have gone and you have owned our sin. And the good news message of salvation has shown into our lives and you have forgiven us. You have redeemed us. You have freed us from sin and death. We have no need to be afraid. Help us to live every day aware of your presence in our hearts. Aware of your Spirit's presence in our hearts. And may we live our lives with joy, free from sin. Dear younger me, dear older me, bask in the forgiveness of sins. And now let's pray together the words our Savior taught us. The, the, the Lord's Prayer words on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now God's people receive with believing hearts the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace this day and forever. And together we say, amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.